Do you see rats often in the city? I, I have to hear this from the main source. Every day. Yeah, I see rats every day. Everyone who rides the subway, look down at the tracks and you see them. They're there. And on trash days, if you walk by a pile of trash at night, there's a good chance a bunch of rats are going to run across the sidewalk. If you spook them, sometimes you'll see a trash bag, like one of those big black trash bags, and it's just like alive. It's moving around because there's four rats inside the bag. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about them all the time. That was the inspiration for the character. And yet, you know, we coexist. Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO Gossip Nista. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Gossip Nista podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Monks. And yes, I did just open up the show with that lovely soundbite about rats in New York City. Now, that's because I have an interview today with one of New York's biggest rat and staple of the city, Buddy the Rat. And I might also add that I do have an immense fascination with rats, and you'll find out later in the show why. But let me be clear about that soundbite in New York City. It's not like rats are chasing you everywhere here in the city, unless unless it's actually Buddy the Rat. He does tend to chase people on the streets of New York City. Now, let me paint you a picture. Imagine a six-foot slim built man in a rat mask who looks as though he just came off a Broadway stage in full character with a white tank, suspenders, pants with a rat tail that squeaks coming out of it, whiskers, and contorted moves on all four limbs mimicking a rat. Only in New York, right? Well, let me introduce you properly to my guest, the man behind the character, because he is one of the most multi-talented artists and creative persons I've had the pleasure of interviewing. Jonathan Lyons is the actor and performer behind New York's Buddy the Rat. Destined for Hollywood and bigger stages since the age of nine years old, Jonathan is an actor, singer, dancer, musician, puppeteer, playwright, and the list just goes on. He took on the city by storm during the pandemic when a Buddy the Rat video went viral, and he's been taking on the city ever since. And would you be surprised if I said he was destined to create this character all along, and you'll learn why during our conversation. In our interview, Jonathan will also talk about his New York story and inspiration for Buddy the Rat, of course. Also diving deeper into his career as a performer and actor, he'll share some exciting projects he's developing like the Apple Boys, which involves a singing barbershop quartet that he himself wrote and put together. Also, this short film called The Rat, which is directed by one of his good friends. But before I send you off into my interview with the talented Jonathan Lyons, who has entertained millions across the world with his work as Buddy, I do encourage those who can to support your favorite artists and creatives on Patreon, if you can. Because can you imagine a New York City without Buddy the Rat and all the creatives out there? Without further ado, here is my interview with Jonathan Lyons. everyone. Welcome. I have with me today, Jonathan Lyons, aka Buddy the Rat. Hello. Welcome, Jonathan. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And so I am excited to be able to share the Jonathan Lyons story as well as the creation of Buddy the Rat. And so the first segment that I like to start off with is just getting to know more about you. So the question here, Jonathan, is Are you originally from New York? Are you a native? I am not a native New Yorker. However, my father was born in Brooklyn and my mom was born upstate. And I have a cousin here and my family came through New York on Ellis Island. And I've always felt a deep connection to the city. I was uh, born and raised in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
Mm-hmm. And I went to high school and college in Arizona and then moved to New York right after that, which was in 2005. Wow. Okay. So there's some roots here in the city. And so assuming, you know, you did some travels back to the city throughout your time in Arizona or no, or, you know, how? Oh yeah, absolutely. My first, I, my first trip to New York city was when I was 10, I came mm-hmm. back to visit uh, family upstate and I stayed with cousins who live in Bergen beach actually. Mm-hmm. Then my, I went to a performing arts high school in Arizona and we had a senior trip to New York and that left such a strong impression on me that I spent the four years of college, basically every vacation time, spring break, Christmas time, all these vacation times, I would just come to New York. I didn't, I didn't go exploring other parts of the country or world. I really just was focused on figuring out New York and then coming here as soon as I could. Oh, wow. That's awesome. You, you sound like like me. Any chance I got, it was New York City, right? Like coming to yeah, New York. Exactly. That is so great to hear. And so that inspired you to move here. Um, can, can you give us a little more context as to like your background, um, you know, in performing arts and anything else along those lines and the inspiration? Sure. Well, I did my first play when I was nine years old and I actually wrote a play when I was seven. My mom uh, found a playwriting contest for children to have me submit to. And I was really sold on theater at a young age. So I always mm-hmm. knew what I, that's what I wanted to do. I went to Premier Arts High School, studied theater. I went to college at Arizona State on an acting scholarship. Mm-hmm. And at Arizona State, my, my acting coach was a man named Marshall Mason, mm-hmm. who was a big Broadway director in New York uh, in the 70s and 80s. And he was just gave us a very New York-centric education on if we if we wanted to make theater and film our lives the best way to develop as an actor is to live in in new york city maybe one of the best things you can possibly do Mm -hmm. and that really rung true for me and so i just knew pretty early on that new york was where i where i wanted to end up oh my gosh that is exciting so was there like a creative background within your family as well? Like, were they in the industry? Yeah, my father was a playwright, a musician by trade. So his the way he he paid the bills was as a lounge musician in the mm-hmm. Phoenix metro area. Mm-hmm. And then, but he also wrote a couple of musicals. He would take me to musical theater writing workshops in Los Angeles every year, and I we did shows together. Uh, so that's really that was the you know the main inspiration. You end up doing sometimes if you if you have a good relationship with your parents you might end up wanting to do what they did yeah um, oh wow I love that I love how supportive your family was and your mom helping you to you know write your your playwright and submit it and so forth so you have been a creative since a young age so happy that you landed upon New York City and then so when you did how old were you when you got here uh 22 I guess maybe 23 okay I think I was just after college yeah perfect and what neighborhood? What neighborhood did I live in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first apartment was 141st Street in Broadway. So Hamilton Heights, I think. It was like a few blocks from the Alexander Hamilton house. And then after that, I lived in Spanish Harlem for a minute, uh, 116th Street in Lexington. And the next place was in Brooklyn, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then I bounced around Brooklyn quite a bit. A few places in Bushwick, place in mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy, a couple places in Bed-Stuy. I'm currently in Clinton Hill. And... Uh, I have to move again what? in a few weeks. Oh my gosh. And we haven't found our place yet. So I'm I'm in the process of hoping to find a magical apartment to open oh up. Oh my know? goodness. That's a lot of moving. So you've been here for about like 15, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years, yeah, six, 16 years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and, and so any idea on where you want to go sticking to Brooklyn, moving to Manhattan, this, a- this area is my favorite because I do a lot of work in Coney Island. Mm. I have a lot of connections out there and I really I'm a big fan of Coney Island and its history and its future. And I want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live much closer because I also need to get to Midtown all every day. Mm-hmm. So this, this area of Brooklyn is really works best for me in terms of being able to get to Midtown in 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes and being able to get out to Coney Island in an hour. That makes perfect sense. So that is like the central local area. And so what has your overall experience being in New York been? It's been amazing. I mean, it's it's super challenging and definitely mm. moments of of sheer panic when I've been out of work or, you know, really low on money or needing to move out or relationships end and you don't know what's going to happen, like all this. Mm. But the city has always provided for me. And I do feel safe here because there is so much opportunity. There's so much going on, always churning. And anytime I've 
I've been in those kind of situations. I just crack down. If you want to work a hundred hours a week, you can flip that switch and do it. And New York will provide. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's available in a lot of a lot of places. There are so many little ways to hustle. Last summer, I started. I joined uh, TaskRabbit. Mm-hmm. And put myself out there as a tasker to do like wall mounting, basic carpentry mm-hmm. in in houses. Mm-hmm. Cause I've done it for myself for years. I build custom shelves for myself and I realized, hey, you know, let me go see if anybody could use help. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was amazing. You know, I was never for lack of work. There's just so many people that yeah. that can use help with that. And it's it's hard to imagine a lot of other cities where I could immediately get a bunch of work like that if I need it. Absolutely. And you're multi-talented. You do create everything that is buddy the rat um you know so i being multi-talented and other things like that i can see you doing that for sure so appreciate you sharing your experience and how if there's work in the city you're the one responsible to you know make it <laughs> because yeah, yeah yeah there's so much opportunity well thank you for sharing your experience there jonathan you know curious what is it you like and dislike about new york city well, most that list for me is very heavily slanted on the like side because I mm. don't see anywhere else I would want to live. And anything I dislike about it is relatively insignificant to me. What I like is the population density. There's so many people. It's an international city. There's so many differing points of view that everybody finds common ground and gets along and gets through the day. I like mm-hmm. that it's hard to live here. It it really filters for people who have strong convictions. Mm-hmm. You really have to make it here. You have to have a, a really important reason why you mm-hmm. need to be in New York. And I like I like being around people that have strong convictions about what they're doing with their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, what I dislike, well, I don't really dislike anything about New York. I mean, I've it's a funny thing. Like, you, I choose to be here. You know, I don't. I, I've New York. It's funny because I don't feel like you run into people in New York feeling like they're stuck in New York. I feel like New York is the is a place that you're you opt into and people end up when they're done, they end up leaving. There's so many other places where people are like, gee, I wish I would could go anywhere else. But I'm this is the only place I'm stuck here or something. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like I mean, like I get asked in comments under Buddy the Rat videos all the time are are you embarrassed doing this? Do, do you ever get embarrassed with people? And I'm like, that feels like such a nonsensical question because I'm choosing to do it co- entirely independently of any right. anyone else. Like if I found it embarrassing, why would it be happening? Yeah. So the same thing with New York, I, I don't understand anyone that's that's here that would complain about it. It mm-hmm. is what it is. There's nothing to do. Like, yes, it's ultra expensive expensively expensive for the amount of space you get but that's the that's the game if you want to be here you're gonna have to like figure it out absolutely so there's pros and cons and you know you you seem to focus on those pros so i do appreciate that and so this is completely off the cusp here question jonathan but so you know it's crazy to hear your voice you know if people don't know Jonathan Lyons or hear Buddy the Rat because um, does Buddy the Rat speak? Uh, no, Buddy is a silent character. There's been a couple videos where I've spoken uh, the, the, famously the Aside Talk New York video where I said, I may be a rat, but I ain't no snitch, mm. which I just said because everybody kept calling me 6ix9ine. They're referring to the rapper who, you know, named names in court. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to set the record straight that buddy is a rat to be trusted but even in that video it's like the the mouth doesn't move on the mask you know it doesn't make sense to me it kind of cuts away if i were to if i were to start speaking as a character to me it cuts away from the kind of cartoony mystique of it oh my gosh i gotta check out that video i'm a rat i ain't no snitch what is the name of your organization? How long before you moved here that you started feeling like a local? When did that mm. kick in? Um, I felt my dad was born in uh, Flatbush. My mom is from upstate New York. So we're like kind of family ties here. My cousin lives here in the city. And 
I just never questioned whether I wanted to be anywhere else. I did get a job about a year and a half into living here. I did get a job in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So for four years, I lived between New York and Portland mm -hmm. and I went on tour a lot. And so my relationship with the city stayed really strong because I was, I was leaving a lot. Mm -hmm. And there is something to like being able to get out, decompress, and then come back in. Most yeah. New Yorkers, I think, do that. They have the ability to come and go. When you're when you're when you are like stuck here for a year straight without actually leaving the city, it can be really overwhelming. You forget that there's any sort of peace and quiet anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. But really this year with the Buddy the Rat thing, I have felt like truly connected to the city in a way. Like this project is an expression of being a New Yorker mm -hmm. that all these New Yorkers are responding to. And I'm being embraced by the local communities and I'm being, I'm sort of, I'm like whole layers of the city are being opened up to me and I'm being invited into that I've never seen before, even in 15 years, because I'm finally doing something that's like an offering to the city and a clear expression of my connection to it. You're a staple. You're an icon of the city. Buddy, Buddy the Rat has become that, you know, you as a performer, everything about it. I mean. I love that you were a local right away, but you really have felt it in the last year with the love yeah. that you're kind of getting. And that's it. So we're going to dive into Buddy the Rat on the second segment. Want to keep to your New York story here. And then so with regards to just COVID happening and, um, you know, I'm sure that's when Buddy the Rat also came out a lot more. Uh, just as a whole, how have you, did COVID change New York? How does it feel to you now? The most distinct thing that I, I, I just did, I just traveled through Turkey and Greece mm -hmm. for three weeks. And I kept telling people that when I, when I went there, you know, classically European cities have had, had outdoor seating restaurants for a hundred years. Like that's just been a part of the culture there right. and we didn't have it. And now we do and will forever. Like in 50 years, people are going to come to New York and it's going to feel like a European city with all the outdoor dining. Right. There's no way that's ever going away because it's so awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. such, such an obvious benefit. Restaurants have more capacity. It's funner. It's nicer to walk down streets. So I, that's like this very practical thing mm -hmm. that this only COVID could have caused this to happen. And yet it has like transformed the landscape, the, the, the appearance of the city. So that's kind of, that's probably the story I will, I'll, I'll imagine myself telling. Mm. Thank you for pointing out that note. Yes. And kind of bringing emphasis to small businesses, restaurants and all that great stuff. All right. So because you've been here so long, because you have roots with New York, I mean, your, your dad is from Brooklyn, your mom from upstate. I mean, uh, you know, curious to hear your perspective on when does someone become a New Yorker? Like, What's your perspective on that? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm such a romantic about New York. I'm compelled to give a really poetic answer at like, it Please. happens in your heart before you move here. You know, like there's New Yorkers all over the world that maybe haven't arrived yet. And you'll know it when you feel it. I don't think it's a matter of time. There's also probably people who live here who aren't New Yorkers, you know, the people who come here for two years and do nothing but complain all day long about what a horrible place it is to live. Like yeah. you're not a New Yorker, you know? Right. Right. No. And I love how you said it fully supportive of that. Right. I think it's like a, a state of mind being a New Yorker and, and having a heart of it um, versus physically having to live. I mean, of course you still have to live here <laughs> to kind of really put that yeah. credential to it. Uh, but yeah. No, thanks for. I have that. to. I mean, I I, I want to check myself a little bit too because I know I am, I am a you know New Yorkophile. Like I not just a New Yorker, but I do also love it here. But I also recognize this like insane New York ego that comes about. We think it's the biggest city in the world, even though it's like number twenty seven or something. I I just went to Istanbul, and Istanbul is twice the population of New York. Mm. It's not. It's bit massively crowded, and there's so much bigger. So. I liked that traveling was good, that it, it, it kind of put me in check. The other thing I wanted to note is the comedian David Cross, who's lived here for 20 years, totally loves New York. But when he talks about it, he's really, really measured the way he expresses his appreciation of New York because he doesn't, he just identifies that it's like a little silly how proud we are. 
it's one of the only places where people from here or who live here will like begin sentences with like, as a New Yorker, I did it. Like people don't do that from other places. Let me ask you, Jonathan, when you were in Istanbul in Turkey, did you start with as a, well, I mean, you, you went as buddy also, right? <laughs> I did do buddy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's still useful. Where, you know, where are you from? Like mm-hmm. New York City. Yeah. Everyone and, knows it. And everyone's always excited to hear that in a way, right? Like, oh, New York. Tell me about New York. This, this, and that, I'm sure. And yeah. so. Well, no, I didn't really encounter that in Istanbul. No? Okay. no, they were like, oh, cool. I mean, it's like a comparable city, you know. Okay, that's cool. See, get outside our Size, head then. Size that's wise. exactly yeah. what you meant. Get outside our head. <laughs> There's more worlds out there as well. Okay, um, yeah. so New York moments outside of Buddy the Rap that you can share. That was like, you were like, oh my gosh, this is a New York moment. Like it could only happen in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of amazing kind of serendipitous things as, a, as an artist and performer. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there. I've had an interesting career, mostly non-traditional theater. So the the biggest shows I've been in were Blue Man Group and Sleep No More, and like these kind of the avant-garde. You know, the they're big successful yeah. shows, but they really are kind of cutting edge, not traditional. I have never been on Broadway. I've never been in a play in an off-Broadway play or musical, but I do I do audition for them mm-hmm. occasionally. And 2015. I was going through a really difficult financial time where I was kind of like for the first time ever considering what it, what it means to quit the pursuit of being an actor. And I was actively talking to friends who had stopped, who had come to New York to be actors and then like chose a different career path and this and this. And it was really interesting. And then I got a call out of the blue from this Broadway casting office to come be a part of the the, the pre-production workshop for Dear Evan Hansen. And it wasn't even an audition call. They were just saying like, are you in town? Are you still non-union? We need to put, we're putting together a little like three day workshop thing. We just need you. You don't even need to sing. We just need you to move like do a movement thing. Mm -hmm. But I ended up going in and they did have us sing. And I was singing the role of the father with the director michael greif like and pasek and paul like all these massive people one of the biggest broadway shows ever it was so crazy and i was the i call i I consider that a new york moment because like it was contingent on me physically being in the city i hadn't done anything that all i did that year was work as a waiter 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. but because i was like physically stayed present in the city i was available for that opportunity that's that's how everything has worked out. I mean, that's how the, everything else that's been a success in my life. It's all come around from just being here. Wow. Thank you. I am so excited. One that you stayed, right? And we, we still have Jonathan Lyon, Buddy the Rat here. If not Buddy the Rat, who knows? It wouldn't have been. Crazy that you noted you were on your way out. You were debating quitting, you know, the, the performance lifestyle as an actor. And, and then it's like, no here's a knock on the door from New York city and this is your calling. And then that kind of made you stay. And now you are here who you are. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how life works that way. It's like, as soon as you decide you're going to quit life says, no, this is the direction you should be still going in. And here's an opportunity. Yeah. 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 I, I find that happen a lot. <laughs> it's, it's serendipitous. Oh, totally. I mean, and it's sometimes too, it takes, turning away to receive that you know because you're constantly looking for that kind of opportunity and you won't find it until you let it happen or i don't know yeah so with those that are looking at make new york their home because this is a podcast not only to continue enriching the lives of new yorkers but those looking to move here what advice would you give to someone someone wanting to move to new york Mm -hmm. to just come as soon as you can don't worry don't don't feel like you need to save up $30,000 $30,000 before you moved in order to like make it through that first, especially young artists that have that problem. I had that problem too in Arizona. It's just terrifying. Like, what am I, how am I even going to manage getting, getting acclimated? But you just, you just come and figure it out. I mean, yeah, you're going to need a, a room. You need to find somewhere to live, uh, but don't feel like you need to prepare anything. There's so much opportunity here. There's so many jobs, so many weird jobs you can do to get by mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks like 
I just, I, that's how I did it. I just came out on a whim. Basically I had to, a job opportunity. I didn't end up getting that job, but I also okay. didn't go home. I just stayed, mm-hmm. I stayed with friends for a few weeks. I found a Craigslist. I mean, this was back in 2005, but I found like a room to live in through Craigslist and then started working at an ice cream shop. And then a, yeah. another thing, you know, just, it just made it. You just get here and figure it out. Love that you said, don't put all this thought or just do it. You know, if you want to be in New York, you got to just get here and then just kind of try to figure it out. Otherwise you'll probably never get here. Yeah. And any advice for current New Yorkers? I, do, uh, uh, for what, how to, <laughs> that's enough. That's I mean, enough. I'm plagued by constant stress and anxiety and pressure and neck pain and back pain. So I don't know if I have any <laughs> practical advice. For New Yorkers, that's okay. And that was well said there. Um, and so lastly, to sum up your New York story, Eric, because I could stay on the subject forever. If you were to sum up New York as, um, you know, a quote that's representative of yours, how New York makes you feel, what would that be? Or you can use one that already sits out of the universe. The fact that it's called the city that never sleeps is true. That just means it's constant. There's constant energy. So I think that's something that we that choose to live here also experience this constant energy. We only sleep because we have to and plenty of nights we don't when there's work to be done, enough work to be done. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So New York is constant, like it's it just ever changing. Yeah, that's not that's well put. New York is constant. <laughs> is it <laughs> too very short? <laughs> that's good. No, it's good. Gossip Nista here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I wanted to hop in here to ask that if you haven't yet, if you could please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen. This will help me reach more people and spread the word about New York City and those who love it. And if you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow at Gossipnista Podcast on Instagram. Now, back to the show. Thank you. Jonathan for sharing your New York story and you know we're gonna now dive into the second segment where I want to learn all about your career let's just start from the beginning you said you went to school in Arizona for performing arts uh, moved over to to you know New York in 2005 how do you feel you've evolved as an actor from then to now and where you're at today from when I was a little kid I always just wanted to be an actor I liked it did musicals and plays and dreamed of being in movies and you know it just was very straightforward and then and then well into college and then the very end of college for some reason i kind of got a bug where i was less interested in traditional psychological acting and start and started to turn my sights on physical performance these kind of like alternate forms of theater that were weren't about i was getting bored with traditional plays like people sitting around at a living room drama or something i just couldn't stand it i was like and i would argue I go through my day talking to people. Why do I want to like sit in a theater and watch people talk? I want to go to a theater and see people flying through the air and exploding spectacle like Cirque du Soleil or something. Mm -hmm. I've totally changed now. I have a deep appreciation for, for all forms, but at the time I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just, I didn't even know really what it was, or I had been exposed to a couple of shows in my travels in in college. I'd seen a mask theater performance in Vancouver, Canada. That was really, really made a strong impression on me. And then my first professional job after I was in New York for a year, I had some like hilariously failed auditions for big casting directors and stuff. And then I auditioned for this theater company called Imago Theater from Portland, Oregon. Okay. And they have a show called Frogs. And what they do is this French style of mask theater. And their show is a whole bunch of vignettes of animal creature characters. Mm-hmm. So it starts with three frogs on the stage. Okay. And it's the actors wearing a big paper mache mask with full okay. body costumes bent okay. into these really extreme shapes. And then we and then we become lizards and alligators and polar bears and anteaters and penguins and all these different. So that was 15 years ago. It was my first wow. professional job. And a couple of years into that, I got the idea to make a rat in New York, watching the rats in the subway and playing with the different 
shapes I can get my body into. Right. And so in 2009, I had the opportunity to make a little, a 10 minute piece for like a festival. So I asked, how do I even make a mask? What do I need to get? They're like, go get this kind of clay, do this. And I just tried, I'd never sculpted anything before. I just mm-hmm. tried my hand at it and did the paper mache and made the rat. And in, in preparation, like promotion for this play, we went out in Times Square as the rat posted that on YouTube. So this is 2009, okay. long time ago. It didn't go wildly viral, but it got 70,000 views over time. And like a dog barked at me, you know, there was just this kind of, the energy was there, the seed was planted. Then that kind of put aside for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'll jump to just because it's the Buddy the Rat story. Mm -hmm. But in 2018, I was like looking back on everything I had done over the course of my career and realized that that one day I went out as this rat character in Times Square was one of the most compelling things I'd done. And if I, I wanted to make a new version of the mask that fit really well, and that was just a little more sophisticated and worked better. So I started 2018, I started doing that. And I, that's when I made like the, the current mask that I use mm-hmm. and had the plan to start doing it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and posting videos online and stuff. Wow. Okay. So you just not only gave us your whole career and start as, as a performer, but also the buddy story. Well, I skipped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that the, the thing the, the what's interesting about buddy being the thing that's dominating my career right now mm-hmm. is the fact that it's directly descended from my very first professional job. Yeah. I went off on a whole other the whole journey. You know, I worked, I was in blue man group. I did a bunch of puppetry with Basil twist. I've been a puppeteer at the, uh, Metropolitan Opera in Madama Butterfly. And then, then I was in Sleep No More for two and a half years. Uh, I did a play at the Williamstown Theater Festival. And then I started writing this musical called The Apple Boys that I'd love mm-hmm. to get into. And that was that that was really four four years of focus on that, on the, mm-hmm. that musical. And also trying to turn this this singing group into a viral video did and we did public performances at cabarets and things and Mm. and fundraisers and stuff and then i just decided i needed to kind of put that aside for a little while and Mm -hmm. focus on something else Mm -hmm. last year and that's and i was focused back on the rat and and ended up kind of taking over that the model that i had been preparing absolutely i mean okay so what i got is that you were always destined to be buddy (laughs) the rat buddy the rat was always there in one way or another so yeah what I also noted is the Apple Boys, which you wrote. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and 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 you know the creation of that? Yeah. So in when I was in Sleep No More in 2012, a friend of mine from high school, we sang in choir in high school and college together. He was moving to New York and he made a joke. He's like, "When I come to New York, let's start a barbershop quartet." Oh, and good. I was like, "Okay, you know." And then when he came, I was like, "Well, let's actually do it. Why not?" Mm-hmm. So we we formed a quartet. We called it the Apple Boys for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. Big Apple, New York, it's like something. And it was it, normally a barbershop quartet is for men, mm-hmm. but we were in the dressing room at Sleep No More and we needed a tenor, uh, the high part. And we were like, my friend uh, Lily was in the room with us and we were like, how about we have Lily sing it? Yeah. And she could wear a mustache, dress mm-hmm. like a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I'm down. So that kind of started this concept of of, uh the tenor being played by a woman and we would just learn a couple of classic barbershop songs and Mm -hmm. perform them at sleep no more sleep no more has a a bar called the mandalay bar with a stage on it where they would they have shows after the show after sleep Mm -hmm. no more there will be like a small show in the in that stage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they started doing these salons where like variety shows where Mm -hmm. the cast members would would do different performances and stuff so we got we would perform there we talked about what if we covered a pop song or what if we made video and we was like it was always kind of like nah this is it was mostly just for fun okay but i'm always kind of writing stories in my head around things and mm-hmm. and then in 2015 so three three four years into that sort of existing mm-hmm. the idea started coming to mind that there that there's substance there that we could actually be a musical that mm-hmm. these characters could be really identified who they are what's the backstory what's the and i was really hesitant 
to write it because I'd never written any dialogue before. I'd written a couple of plays that had no dialogue. They were just storytelling. But I thought I had this idea in my head that dialogue was this like particular skill that I would not be able to do because and then I met I met this great writer who and I was telling him that and he just encouraged once again the way I told people to move to New York. He was just like, No, you just write it, write a draft and then have a reading and invite me to the reading and we'll see. So I so that gave me the confidence to start in on it. And then I reached out to a composer that I knew from Sleep No More. He worked front of house at Sleep No More, Ben Bonima. <laughs> and had coffee with him and pitched him on the idea. I was like, hey, I'd like to write this musical using barbershop quartet music as a starting point. And this is the rough idea. And he's like, sure. Yeah, that sounds interesting to me. And it just kind of came together. Like by the, <laughs> the time I had written a script and we sat around reading it, it just sounded like a play to me. Just <laughs> imagined what the characters were saying to each other and, you know, how and exciting. then we just lucked into really amazing people. Again, we I wouldn't have been able to do this in any other city because every step of the way, everyone we were working with, if they if you took them and put them in any other city, they would be the best imaginable performer in that entire city. Mm -hmm. So, and then I, I reached out to a director that I knew and really liked, and he came on board. So the the director, the composer, and and myself uh, all have been a part of the project from the very beginning and yeah it expanded into a full into a full length show and we had a full off off broadway production in december of 2018 amazing and so that was in coney island it was based in coney island this the story is set in coney island mm. but we performed the show at hero arts center in soho Oh my gosh, how exciting. Okay, so that performed yeah. in 2018. You created that. It looked like all things aligned. Like you said, you couldn't have been anywhere else in this world to kind of get all these great people to create it. Um, yeah. And so is, is there any comeback for the Apple Boys? Was that well, a here's time? the thing. We, we spent 2019, like at that production, some big people saw it and there was real interest to bring it to the next level, which would be a an open-ended commercial mm -hmm. off-Broadway production. Right. Mm -hmm. so we spent 2019 working toward that and we really got close we had developed we had a, a marketing team and a press agent and, yeah. da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. and we almost had a theater it, it ended up not working out we had a schedule even we were like this is the schedule we will we'll have previews starting here opening night here da, 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 da. and due to these weird circumstances it didn't happen and it felt like a devastation until march 16th 2020 okay when all theaters were closed our opening night would have been march 1st wow i think march 9th is actually when the theaters were shuttered we totally dodged a bullet i mean yeah. it's a lot of really big shows are gonna are reopening in the fall but i can't imagine the kind of like first time crappy small production like getting open and being open for a week mm -hmm. and being able to survive a year and a half to reopen so oh my gosh so it all mm. it all worked out it's you know it's it's and and things were just kind of dismantled back to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sort of the starting point but in a lot of ways too i feel like that 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 2019 was my first time to the rodeo mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the show didn't happen so we're gonna well, it, it didn't happen because of other reasons, but mm -hmm. COVID didn't thank help. God it didn't happen. Yeah, no, yeah. if it had, it, we it would have been shut down because of COVID. So, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying now when we go through all those processes again of doing the marketing and doing the, 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 the I already have done it once. Mm -hmm. So I'm way more comfortable understanding what needs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a world of opportunity out there, like you said, you know, Broadway's opening again, um, just everything performance wise. And so, you know, my, my question to you here, which leads perfectly into what you just mentioned, is how do you think COVID has changed the performing world of New York and, and how, you know, moving forward? Well, it, it remains to be seen how successful the reopening of, of Broadway is. I mean, mm -hmm. I think once we're really past the pandemic, so in another year from now, I feel like things are just going to revert to how they were. I mean, I don't see why it would change. Like we didn't, we didn't see a rash of theaters being closed or demolished or something. So, I mean, I know for, for me, what changed, I got to, I got involved in a 
there's more digital offerings. You know, I think if anything, it's kind of a catalyst for more creativity. Like there's a show up right now called Seven Deadly Sins. That's basically a festival of new 10 minute plays, but they're staged in storefronts in the meatpacking district. And you're listening through headphones through the window and you go from play to play and see them all. And they're fantastic. Directed by Moises Kaufman. It's a tectonic theater project production. And it's like, they never would have done that had they not been hit with these limitations of like, we need to be outside. We need to this and that and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with me going out on the street. I mean, I'd always intended to do this as a street performance, mm-hmm. but I think it, it just carried a lot more like value at the, because it was happening in the middle of pandemic where we can't go inside to see yeah. live performances so by Absolutely. doing this kind of like theatrical level performance out in the street or in the subway mm-hmm. it, it made it had a stronger purpose to it yeah and so i love that how you know this has kind of opened a world up to new creativity of performance out there and that encompasses buddy the rat coming out into you know uh the world and and so tell tell us how how did Buddy the Rat come about in in 2020. When did he start gaining that momentum? How does the street performance feel to you? Give us a date and Jonathan Lyons getting ready to go be, you know, Buddy the Rat. Well, 2020 was very interesting because I had in in December 2019, I said, this year I'm going to focus on this rat thing. And so the first couple months of the year, I was submitting to arts grants. I was describing what I wanted to do. I want to travel the world. I want to do this performance in the street. I want to, I want to uh, monitor how different people react Mm -hmm. in different cities around the Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. in an effort to illustrate that we're all the same fundamentally, that Mm -hmm. there's these cultural differences are not, don't go as deep as we feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the, that's the kind of overarching purpose behind Mm -hmm. the the art project. Mm -hmm. So I was doing I was doing all this intellectual work on the project the first couple months. And then when COVID hit, this uh, show got this theater company started a, an online show called mm-hmm. Eschaton. Okay. That's basically like an immersive theater production that happens via Zoom. Mm-hmm. So you people buy tickets to go to a central hub and then they can click on different rooms and see mm-hmm. different performers. Mm-hmm. So there's like 20 of us all performing live from mm-hmm. our homes. And I was doing starting in April of last year, I was doing The Rat. And it wasn't, his name was Buddy. It wasn't quite Buddy the Rat. It was Mm. this really artsy performance art thing. I came out, I would wear a dance belt, but he looks like he's a naked rat. And then he finds a pile of clothes and then he puts the clothes on and now he's conscious. And, you know, really, and it was an hour long thing. I would do it two or three times and Mm -hmm. strange music playing. And, you know, it wasn't, I never intended for it to be a commercial popular wide audience project mm-hmm. uh like it's become but i spent all summer the kind of incubating the character getting it in my body making discoveries about you know and wearing the mask and yeah and there's this contingent of fans of that show that we're watching all along mm-hmm. and then in august so August, September, October, sometime in August or September, my mm-hmm. friend Todd Strauss Schulson, he's a Hollywood film director. He directed Harold and Kumar three and isn't it romantic and mm-hmm. the final girls mm-hmm. uh, really amazing creative talent. And, and he goes back and forth between these like massive big budget Hollywood movies and his own artsy short films mm-hmm. that he just does mm-hmm. for the, the joy of making cinema. Absolutely. And he reached out to me. We've been friends for a couple of years. We've never worked anything together. But he's like, I'm going to be in New York in October. I have this loft in Soho. Like, I'm bored. I haven't made anything. I want to make something. So I was like, well, I have this rat character I'd like to do something with. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and we're like, "What? okay, what can it do? I was like, well, I have a girl rat mask fully okay. ready to go. Uh, the rat can uh, drink water and spit it. He can smoke a cigarette. He can drag stuff with his mouth. Mm-hmm. And Todd's like, hey, we should we should drag a pizza. Like, I can make a giant pizza slice, uh-huh. can you? So we ended up deciding to make this movie, mm-hmm. wrote it together. He and we said we can do it in two weeks. So I just suddenly I made the pizza slice. I made a giant rat trap. I fixed features oh of the gosh. mask that weren't complete. I think the whiskers, this certain things like I hadn't added and the girl rat mask made it. I figured out her costume and 
And so we went and shot this movie and it was a Wednesday night, October 26th, I think like four days before the election mm-hmm. we were in Soho was being like boarded up and it was super surreal, mm-hmm. but we shot in, starting in Washington square park and then all through Soho till like 6am. Wow. And when, and the next day I slept till like one in the afternoon, my friend texted me a link to an Instagram page where some, a stranger had taken a video of me, posted it, and it was going crazy virals, getting like 100,000 views an hour. Wow. Buddy the rat the, with Buddy pizza? the rat, just, no, no, no pizza. No pizza? Oh my gosh. No, okay. just me, just the rat, dark. It was like a really bad video. It wasn't even, it wasn't a very compelling video. Okay. And then the next day, a girl on TikTok had also taken footage of me and, and posted it and got 2 million views. So it was obviously this character is going to be going viral. So I, as soon as we finished shooting the movie, I started going out. I went out to Times Square mm-hmm. and Port Authority. I just started going out and filming content, mm-hmm. posting it on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And within within a couple of weeks, I think I had the, the really big video that was like 30 million views. And I got a call from the New York Post and all the news and stuff started happening. And, that's crazy okay so the intention was to create something creatively with your friend who's a you know director and and you kind of went out there and then life took its course and it blew up on its own so what is the name of the project you and your friend were working on is that that's called yeah we made it we made it it's a short it's a short film called rat rat okay we can catch it on your youtube so we're we're submitting it to festivals right now Mm -hmm. so it's not available online we had we had released it on youtube anticipating it like going viral just didn't go viral uh-huh. todd didn't really he wasn't really interested in putting in festivals he's just he's done that with mm. many films before but me and and uh brianna mcqueenie who's the other producer on the movie we mm-hmm. we're we're still at the really start of our careers and like interested in mm-hmm. the festival circuit and the, those connections we could make and so with todd's blessing we were like we want to we want to like take it down and submit to festivals oh, wow. so that's cool. so that's what we've been doing and we had a, our premiere in the san diego international shorts fest uh-huh. um and there's another one coming up that we got into and we have we have like two years from completion of the film to, to submit mm-hmm. so we're hoping we're hoping we can get into some of the bigger more more well-known ones yeah uh, and then after that we'll we'll post it online but it's it's very cool because it's it's very different from my tiktok content because it's okay. real filmmaking i mean it's mm-hmm. todd He's a he's a true filmmaker. Like he knows what he's doing in a way. And we we really worked. We did twenty takes for wow. you know me running down the street and stuff. It's not just a flippant like yeah, like video thirty second video, video or, or video, yeah. video. I'm so excited. I'm so excited just hearing about this project and and happy yeah. one that you guys created it. So you noted somewhere in there that his name Buddy the Rat had it come about um, when you were doing the Zoom performance. When did the name come about? The name actually came in in so after the initial kind of play we did in 2009. I in 2013 my college Arizona State. Uh, sort of commit they had like a program for alumni to come back and work on work on projects with Mm -hmm. current students Mm -hmm. so it was me and a playwright Matthew Titer worked together we had been in college together you know 10 years earlier eight years earlier we worked together on a version of the the play was called the tenement Mm -hmm. and uh we we were expanding the initial thing it wasn't going to be there was going to be dialogue in it and we that's when we had this decision to name the characters and we came up like originally it was ben benjamin or something and then he suggested buddy because it's kind of like a name this anonymous name you know someone who can't who doesn't have a name might be called buddy mm-hmm. like the guy's like hey buddy get out of the way or something so that's yeah. kind of that's where it came from oh cool um okay yeah and it stuck. So, so there was a good route to it way before the actual zoom where where the name kind of come yeah 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 so by the time i was doing it i mean he was always called buddy since then since 2012 okay okay so even even when i was doing the zoom performances last year yeah i think it said buddy i think buddy was the name of the when i was on zoom it would say buddy or something like it was always his name yeah 
then it's like the rat just got added, buddy. The, the rat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're wrapping up here, but um, ultimately, you know, thank you for sharing everything with regards to Buddy's inception, your career. I'm sure we have so much to look forward to with regards to what you're creating, what you're doing out there. You know, what is like the hope for, for your personal career, you know, here in the city overall? Yeah. I mean, my big dream is to is to work in Hollywood, make and perform in TV shows and movies like that's been the same thing since I was nine years old. And this is hopefully a bridge to that. I mean, it's new media. It doesn't quite have a crossover like I'm trying to. I have had some discussions about how I could potentially pitch a TV show involving myself as a personality and buddy i'm you know my obviously my primary thing as buddy on social media is this being in character making yeah. these videos these experiences mm -hmm. but i'm also have the opportunity to directly address my followers and sort of lean into the influencer because the more well-known i can i can become as a as an artist and as a personality mm -hmm. the better the more helpful that that will be really helpful to getting other projects off the ground doing fundraising having just being getting in the door at places because mm -hmm. they've heard of me, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I have other script ideas. I want to spend the time to write as screenplay ideas. Uh, that's really the ultimate goal in the, in the very present. My main things are uh, getting the Apple boys produced when I really, it's such a good musical. I really look forward to people having the opportunity to see it. And I have a lot of confidence that once, once, we, we, we put it up for just three weeks, which like very, in a very small theater. And it was amazing. And tons of people got to see it, but it wasn't quite enough for the word to really get out. And I really, I look forward to the, to the opportunity, hopefully next year when we can have like a nice long full production of it. And a lot of people can see it, uh, that, and then with buddy, the rat, just kind of seeing how far I can go with it. I think it has so much potential as a brand, as an intellectual mm -hmm. property. Uh, my, my collaborator and I, Ben Bonama, I mentioned it before we're we are working on a cartoon, buddy, the rat cartoon, yeah. my brother and I have a video game idea. You know, I'm hoping there's, there's a lot of ideas like that. I'd love for buddy to become the, the Smokey, the bear of anti litter, you know, yeah. don't litter. I think he could be on every trash can like saying, yeah, I could put totally it in see place. that. And, and so, for New York more so because for New York, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy. So, yeah, and and just to also get enough resources to be able to live a comfortable life and have the freedom to keep building and making new stuff. I've been building all these giant props and things out of out of my bedroom and on the street, on the mm -hmm. stoop, like mm -hmm. the pizza slice I built on the sidewalk, and wow. I'm running out of space, so That's I'm kind of. But I'm at a place where, like, I really do need space. So my 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 primary media goals are just to be getting enough resources to have the space I need to keep growing as an artist. I guess. Oh, I love that, and I see everything of which you just mentioned happening, and I can't wait for it to happen. I'll be an active participant of you know the cartoon watching to the video game to seeing you in Hollywood. I, I could see Jonathan Lyons, the performer, on on Hollywood. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything with regards to your story, New York story, that I may have missed within your performance story as a actor that I may have missed that you'd like to note here? No, I think that was all good. I mean, I feel like I've I was always willing to follow whatever strange opportunities came my way, uh, and I think that's what really gave me the opportunity to thrive. I, I did have a an experience just a couple of years ago, or maybe one year ago, or something, or no, like a year and a half ago, where I was a little concerned that I was spreading myself thin by being interested in so many different things. Like I'm kind of good at sculpting and I'm kind of good at piano and I'm kind of good at this and kind of, and I was like, would it be better? Is it better to really pick a thing and focus on it? And this, and this, cause I will never be like the greatest at one thing. And then I realized though, that this, what I'm doing with buddy, the rat is so singular to me because I made the mask. I wear it. I perform it. It's a, niche type of performance and i could only have done it with a little bit of talent in all those different areas mm. equaled me being i'm the best 
Buddy the Rat in the world. Like, Absolutely. that's not a controversial statement. So I that's a that, mic drop. <laughs> that's the kind of thing you have to like just trust to follow your interests and it'll you know it'll work out yes your movements of buddy the rat you know performance uh, how you move how you encompass him are incredible unlike anything i've ever seen everything you do jonathan and so with this being said last thing i'll ask of you an advice for for individuals who want to be a performer an artist um here in new york city or just anywhere what uh, advice would you would you say make your own work and write learn how to write because writing is free you don't need anything truly all you need is your mind but you can write with a pen or you can write with google docs you know it's like it's free mm -hmm. it's just time you need no resources almost every other art you need at least space mm -hmm. if you want to dance you need space if you want to paint you need paint you know writing you don't need anything uh and making your own work means you you're constantly developing mm -hmm. you're not you're not waiting for the next opportunity it, even if your goals are i mean my ultimate goals are still just to be an actor like i still mm -hmm. just want to get cast in cool stuff mm -hmm. but until that happens i am very busy developing my own things and and i've had the experience of getting to be in shows that i've created where yeah. I'm then I'm satisfied and it is a cool show and I'm working with amazing Broadway people next to me yep. because they believe in the work that I've created. So, so create your own work and do it, put it out there, just keep creating and you know, what's meant to be yours will come around in a sense. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Before I um, let you go here, um, Jonathan, I do like to play this little segment. It's called a New York minute where I'm going to blast off a couple of, New York related questions, you can say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you okay to play that? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Favorite New York borough? Brooklyn. Favorite New York neighborhood? West Village. Ooh, favorite New York food and maybe restaurant if you have one? Maya Taqueria in Prospect Heights. Ooh, okay. Okay, so tacos are your favorite Weirdly, thing? Mexican food. Well, yeah, I know New York's famous for bad Mexican food, but this awesome. <laughs> favorite season in New York? Summer. Nice. I've never had anyone pick that one. I love it. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite New York tourist destination? Oh, Central Park. Favorite non-tourist destination? Prospect Park. I like that. And a favorite holiday in the city? Fourth of July. Love it. At Coney okay. Island, specifically. Mm, okay, Coney Island. Favorite yeah, yeah. Um, New York subway line? The G. The G. Just because okay. it's famously hated. I've been living off the G for years years and i've never had a problem with it i don't understand the people don't like it because it's short that's all okay so the g a favorite weekend getaway from new york narrowsburg Ooh, i like narrowsburg yes yeah, my brother near... my brother has a house there perfect uh one word to describe new york constant <laughs> uh one tip on how to live your best life in new york city do your thing perfectly sad okay now i just want to tell you one of the reasons why I'm obsessed with, you know, your performance art as Buddy the Rat is my favorite New York movie of all time. And I think I've only told one other person. It was Andreas, but I didn't air it. It's um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Uh, the 90s film, you know. The original. Where, the original. Uh, where uh, it was Splinter, who's the rat. You could ever do turtles and rats. I'll, I'm there. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. No, I do. I need to cosplay a Splinter because that comes up a lot. Says it. For sure. No, and I should get some, I should get some turtles. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. This amazing interview, you know, for being the creative and artist you are, Jonathan Lyons, and then bringing into existence Buddy the Rat. Now, I know you mentioned, um, you know, there's a lot you have going and there's resources you need and so much other stuff. Uh, where can people connect with you to kind of, you know, tune into Buddy and also support? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could use the most, I can use growth on Instagram. So follow me mm -hmm. on Instagram. It's at Jonathan Lyons, J-O-N-O-T-H-O-N-L-Y. ONS. And then mm -hmm. I also have a Patreon account. And if you just look up Jonathan Lyons on Patreon, I could also use help there. I mean, any little bit of support uh, goes a long way in helping me find a studio so I can keep building these things and uh, keep making more buddy content. 
Thanks for tuning in to Gossip Mista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode? Follow along on Instagram at Gossip Mista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at gossipmista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipnista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossip Nista.